Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is John Macy, who is an Alexander Technique teacher and a physical therapist in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, and John is the co-owner of the Workout Omaha. He has uh, worked a lot with musicians, uh, particularly singers, um, and other musicians who suffer from chronic overuse injuries. He also has worked with the Omaha Symphony and the Topeka, Kansas Symphony. And we're going to talk today about the relevance of the Alexander Technique to, um, to performing artists in general, and I, I think the emphasis will be on musicians. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Robert. Could you nice be, to be here. Yeah, it is nice to be here, isn't it? Um, could you begin by just uh, giving our listeners a very short description of the Alexander Technique so that they know what we're talking about? That's the $64 question, isn't it? Well, yes, you it know, is. I've, I've been looking and listening of the years of a lot of definitions of the technique, and I realized that a lot of the confusion is that people give us definitions of what the technique does and how it works, but not really what it is. And what I've really come up with for a definition of the technique is that the Alexander Technique is an interface between our rational minds and the movements of our body in three-dimensional space. And by interface, you mean how we can use our thinking process to change the way we move in space? Indeed, and the reverse, how we can get clear data from what we've done in space and the sensory mechanisms in our body back up to our mind to make more rational decisions about how to move and accomplish our tasks in the world. Mm -hmm. But it's that interface between the two is really where the Alexander Technique lies, a very Western idea to be using our rational mind in that manner. Mm -hmm. And how does that apply... What is the special relevance of that for performers? It leads right into what performers have to do because they have an idea of what they want to do, whether it's acting, speaking, singing, playing an instrument. They know what the music is. They know what the script is. They know what the blocking is on stage. But they've got to carry that out from their thinking to actually making their body do that. And for them making a good clean interface so their idea their intention gets carried directly and officially into their body makes a huge difference in the experience that the audience has it takes very small changes to me that's particularly evident with singers because any good musician any good singer can hit all the notes it's not a matter of being able to sing the music or play the music but it's a matter of how can you make the very fine controls of the vibrations of each individual note to give it the timbre, the quality that you have? And that's really important because if you want to give it a certain tone, you need to be able to control your intention for that tone and carry it cleanly into your body to make all the small adjustments that give it the quality you want for that performance. And that's what artists make, that's what distinguishes one artist from another. They all can play the same piece of music. But they all sound very different because of what they're doing with themselves and the generation of those notes and those very small variances within each note. 
So, um, I mean, listening to this, uh, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in the place of a musician, which is... You and I both know I am not. Um, it sounds a little. It, it, it could, one could interpret what you just said as trying to exercise control over a lot of things, a lot of notes, and that sort of thing. But uh, I, I don't think that's what you mean. No, and that's the beauty of the technique. Is again, the musicians already know what they're going to be singing or playing. They know the individual notes. And they have a sense of the overall tone and quality they want. So they don't really need to worry about the pieces and parts for using their body because that's already wired. They just need to make sure that that information gets from their mind into the various muscles and control mechanisms cleanly and easily. And that's what's so beautiful about the technique is it's just a few simple things that you do to make sure you don't get in your way. As a matter of fact, that you stay out of your way to make that transition happen. For example... I was working with a singer just this week who was having some trouble hitting the higher end of her register. And she knows what the song is and where she should go, but she wasn't quite able to carry out what's the coordination I need between my throat and my chest in order to pull it off. And the reality was she was just using way too much tension. And when she just paid a little bit of attention to making sure that what she was doing with herself when she first started to sing didn't get extra tension, the rest followed. She didn't have to worry about the pieces and parts following that. She just made sure she started appropriately for what she intended. And in term in, in just if you could just elaborate a little bit or maybe even give a specific example of what you mean by setting things up so that there is the appropriate situation for singing. Oh well that's the classical Alexander technique, of course, is about how do they have the head-neck relationship. Are they really making sure that where that skull is sitting on top of the spine is free and moves easily? Because that's really the first place that you can move. You have an idea in your head. You have to send signals down your musculature to create motion, and we move around the individual joints. So what you do at that first joint determines the quality of what has to happen at the ones after it that support that. That's where you start. And in her case, we were talking about, let's make sure that when you want to sing, when you first start, you're not compressing that joint. You aren't pulling your head into your body and adding tension in there, which the rest of you has to accommodate for everything else you do after that. Rather, stay out of the way of that. And when she did, everything else worked just fine for her. And what is the mechanism whereby uh, a singer, in this case, can learn how to stay out of her way? Two ways. One is for her to be clear about the fact that indeed she has to carry out her thinking. She had a particular idea about what she wants to do, and she has to be very careful that she does that first thing. I mean, careful is not really the word. She has to consider that the first movement she makes has to be easy rather than extra tension doesn't have to worry about the second or third. Just make sure she carries it through her first one. The other thing is to get some instruction from an outside party to say whether or not she did it. Give her some feedback. Because oftentimes, as you know as an Alexander teacher, we think that it feels one way, but what we feel is not really accurate for what's going on. We're looking for a particular feeling, and that's not accurately telling us what we really did in space. We move differently than we thought. 
So having some outside help, uh, instructor, even her friends to tell her whether or not she did really helps a lot. Mm -hmm. But also the, the specific skill that a, an Alexander teacher can bring to bear is to use his or her hands to gently guide the student. Oh, yes. And, That's critically important. But more than that, the Alexander teacher has trained their eye to see where exactly she's adding that extra tension, what her little habit for doing it is, and being able to point that out to the student. And then, if need be, use their hands in order to show them or give them the experience of what it's like to move differently than they expected. It's tough to move in a way that you haven't thought of. That's kind of like trying to figure out a color you've never seen. Right. So it 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 can be very helpful to have some direct experience, uh, some direct hands-on experience from an Alexander teacher. But it sounds from what you're saying is, is that in your teaching, at least, you put the emphasis on the student uh, learning to think for him or herself. Exactly. I think it's very important that the students from the beginning learn to do it for themselves rather than expect that somebody else has to do it. Mm -hmm. Alexander figured it out all on his own, and I really like to take students through a similar process of discovering the thinking that he did to get there. I think it's really to overuse a, to use a word that's greatly overused these days, very empowering for the student. They don't feel like, gee, I can only do this when I have an instructor. I want them to understand that they can do this for themselves at any time and learn how to do it very quickly. Now, how well, how long they can carry it out, that takes some time and practice. But I find students within an hour session can learn plenty to be working on for themselves and feel very independent about starting studying the Alexander Technique. They don't need hundreds of lessons or hundreds of hours to at least have something to work with to help themselves quickly. Mm -hmm. So in terms of working with a singer, um, how you uh, how the singer manages their head-neck relationship I guess it's fairly, fairly obvious. There's a fairly obvious connection there between that and vocal production, but let's take uh, an activity that's a little further removed from the the neck. Uh, say a violinist uh, who's using her arms primarily, her shoulder girdle and her arms. Um, I assume that with when you're working with a violinist, it's somewhat similar your approach. Is that right? It's identical. And so, can you could you explain how it is that this paying a little paying attention to the head neck relationship can uh, have a, a major impact on on arm and shoulder movements? particularly with somebody like a trained musician who has spent hundreds or thousands of hours learning how to play their instrument, trying different fingerings, different orientations, all that musculature, all the nerves for controlling that musculature are very, very well developed on these people. So they are able to make very quick connections. They have a thought of, I want to play this music, I want to play this bar of music in this way and can carry it out down to their fingertips quickly. With the Alexander technique, when we make that little change in the first movement, they have the idea that I'm going to play an A flat here, they've got to contract some musculature to make it happen on the instrument. If the first movement they make, where that head, neck, head meets the neck, head meets the spine, changes, then all the tension along the line, all the way out to their fingertip, will change slightly. 
and they can carry that out very quickly. But again, it's just changing that first thing that everything after it will change slightly. And you hear the difference in the music immediately. If you want to look even farther afield, look at somebody like somebody who plays the harp. Now their shoulder and neck isn't in it even as much as a violinist is. But frankly, some of the biggest changes I've seen and heard in the quality of music have been with people who play the harp. Mm-hmm. Because their fingertips worked so much more easily. And also the other half of the loop, the feedback, their ability to hear and make very quick on-the-fly adjustments also improves. Have you ever had occasion to work with with an uh, organist? Uh, yes, I have. <clears throat> because there we're getting even further afield from the from the neck in terms of their... That's a whole body of things. Incredible uh, leg movements. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I know in my experience, um, those leg movements could become a lot easier when an organist learns how to let go of tension in their neck, mm-hmm. which seems seems a long ways away, but uh, nonetheless, I assume you've had similar experiences as well. Indeed. And if you look at it from an engineering standpoint, it makes a lot of sense that if they don't have as much tension in the neck, the system as a whole has a little more slack in it, so everything is going to work just a little bit softer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the ways that I look at the technique is very much from an engineering standpoint. Does the math, if you will, make sense? I have a little less tension here, so a little strain there, which means the system overall has a little more flexibility to it. And in mm-hmm. fact, that's what we see in people's performances. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it's worthwhile to point out that our heads weigh between 10 and 12 pounds. Pretty heavy uh, piece of equipment poised up at the top of our spine. And if we're not managing that weight well, it's they're going to have to be compensations that travel right right through the body. And conversely, if we we learn to manage it well, which is pretty much what you're talking about, everything right down to your toes uh, is affected by that. Indeed, and in fact, we're wired that way. We have reflexes that are hardwired that if your eyes are open and you're looking forward you're going to keep your eyes horizontal and over your center of gravity wherever that is. You've got muscles dedicated for helping you do that very quickly. But the management, which I think is a great word to use, of how we do that and fine-tune that consciously really can make a difference in the overall quality of what we do. And you're right. It's a big piece of weight that we have up on top of this long stick, our neck, and it can take a lot of strain or be very easy to balance. Just consider trying to hold a bowling ball up in your hand. If you're not quite underneath that ball, how much work is your wrist and arm going to have to do as opposed to being just right under its center of gravity so the weight goes down your bones and you don't have to do nearly as much work? Mm -hmm. Is there, John, is there anything uh, else that you, from your experience working with performers and particularly musicians, that you think might be important to say before we bring the podcast to an end? I think one of the big things for musicians that makes it so fun for me is that they understand this very quickly. They make their living on what's the quality of what I'm doing. The other interesting part of that, though, is frequently when they make a significant improvement in the tone and the quality as measured by the audience response, the performer feels like they either did nothing or it really was lousy. 
I see that again and again, that their concept of what they should be doing to generate the best performance is inconsistent with what they're doing when the audience perceives the best performance. I find it just fascinating how we do fool ourselves about what we think we need to do compared to what really is the result that we're getting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's very common, and I see it a lot with singers, but also other musicians, an idea of a certain amount of work that needs to be produced to sing the way they want to sing. And if you show them that they can sing with less work, even though it's better and fuller and all the rest of it, uh, they it may take a little uh, some feedback from other musicians really to to convince them that uh, that 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 was an improvement. It is a remarkable thing, and I'm sure pretty much any Alexander Technique teacher has has run into that with with students. I think I think that really points out one of the most entertaining facts about the Alexander Technique because it makes the person say, "What is it I really wanted? Did I want the audience to have this kind of quality of experience?" Or did I want to feel this particular type of tension? Because you can't have them both. They're not the same. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. So uh, if, uh, I th uh, well, my guest today has been John Macy, who's an Alexander Technique teacher and physical therapist in Omaha, Nebraska. If you're a musician or an, an other performer uh, who lives in the Omaha area, give give John a call. We'll put a link to his website by the interview. And if you're somewhere else in the country, find an Alexander Technique teacher and and um, schedule a, a, a two or three lessons perhaps to get some idea. I think you'll very likely find that uh, your playing will improve and and particularly if you're suffering from repetitive strain injury or carpal tunnel or anything like that which is pretty common among musicians that that those symptoms will ease as well uh john thank you so much for being on the show today it was my pleasure you're quite welcome <laughs> 